Adrift in the great void of space, the personnel on Moonbase Alpha have experienced so much that is strange and inexplicable. They have become accustomed to expecting the unexpected. Paul, did you hear that? You hear what? I don't hear anything unusual. Welcome to the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, a character-by-character -character look at the coolest heroes and villains that Marvel Comics has to offer. You can thank us later. For now, just listen. All right, Cool Breeze, let me take you away with these uh, cool vibes. I'm going to make like my dude, Venus Flytrap. I'm going to bang a gong. I am going to light some candles, and we are going to take you away into the Marvel Universe. It's going to be blast, man. It's going to be great. The intro beat is so mellow, you know, I, I, uh, I want to come in on hot fire, but I can't. Anyhow, this week on the show, when I say this week, I mean this episode, we are going to take a look at one of my favorite characters of all the times. It's a man that goes by the name of uh, Luke Cage, a.k.a. Power Man of Power Man and Iron Fist fame. So, the episode is going to be based off the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, Volume 2, Number 10, which came out September of 1996. This covers all the way from Paladin up into the Rhino. I'm not really uh, all that familiar with Paladin, and when I grabbed the guide to look up about him, the first line is, Virtually nothing is known about the background of the mercenary who calls himself the Paladin. It is not known why he decided to become an adventurer, how he acquired his superhuman strength, or where he got his weapons. We do know he appeared in Daredevil 150 and he wears a purple suit. And he has a stun gun. Anyway, uh, Luke Cage is one of my favorite characters. I always digged his, his urban, you know, he, this was like pre-hip-hop when he first started. But eventually he did kind of get a hip-hop vibe. But I did, you know, I dug that urban, like, soul brother, black exploitation kind of vibe to him. He, uh, he kind of grabbed at me from the start as a cool character who was probably being underused. He was really underutilized. He did have his own series, and he hung out with Iron Fist. They were the heroes for hire. He would pop up in other dudes' books. He was in The Defenders. He had a lot going for him, but I really, uh... I always felt he was underutilized. He had... He had the name Power Man, which wasn't a great superhero name, but his real name was Luke Cage, which is just... Just a fantastic name, and as I understand it, Nicolas Cage, who is also known as Nicolas Coppola, that's his real-life name, he adopted the Nick Cage name because he himself is such a fan of Luke Cage, and well, man, let me just say, you can't pick a better alias than Cage if you're thinking about him. Uh, when Luke first came around, he had this really silly outfit. I also felt like this was something that held him back. He wore, like... A yellow shirt that was open to his belly uh, button. It did show his pecs, which was nice, but it was it was kind of more like a blouse than a shirt. And he wore like um, a, a chain around his waist, like a, you know, with a, a lynx, like a physical chain. I guess in some ways that was kind of meant to meant to symbolize slavery. And I guess I can dig that too. That was uh, the real. Uh, not that it's not going on today, but you know, civil rights movement was full effect. Then he had, like, gauntlets on his wrist like Wonder Woman, and he wore much like Wonder Woman. He had a uh, tiara. It would be it would be considered a headband, but I think that technically it is a tiara because it's made of metal. Not a good look. 
and he had pirate boots, yellow pirate boots and blue um, spandex kind of pants. Not all that dope. Uh, nowadays, uh, he had his his actual heyday much later in his career when uh, Brian Michael Bendis got a hold of him and made him part of the New Avengers, and he got a new look. He started wearing like uh, like real life gear. You know, he wore jeans and a shirt and a beanie. You know, he would wear hoodies. He would wear jackets. Just real life guy stuff, which, um, this kind of, this sort of follows the way that hip hop history went as well. Like when, when, um, when the genre first began, dudes would wear outlandish costumes. They would wear these crazy suits just because, you know, showmanship, just because of showmanship. But then it was like, you know, there were other dudes before them, but once Run DMC hit the scene and they came with like the, uh, straight street look, everything changed and it was kind of like first, um... Well, first, you know, Luke Cage was dressed like a bit of a dandy, but then eventually he did come around, and he was straight street, and once he, once he got that street look, dude, um, dude made it big time, but let's, uh, let's take a look right here at Luke's bio, so, uh, real name, Luke Cage, legally changed, his full given name is unknown, I don't know about that, but, uh, we will learn, his occupation is that of a professional adventurer, I might think that he, uh, he might technically be a mercenary. I think that with the whole Heroes for Hire thing with him and Iron Fist, which was, uh, they had an agency, and if you needed, you needed some heroism done, they would come down and you could hire them, thus Heroes for Hire, and I think that, I think that kind of might make you a mercenary of sorts. Anyway, uh, his identity is publicly known, his legal status is that of... A citizen of the United States acquitted of criminal charges. His former alias is The Hero for Hire, so I guess that was just him. He was the one who was the boss of the office. He probably just, you know, he said, Hey man, I'm the Hero for Hire. You're Iron Fist. Um, known relatives, none. That actually changed later. I might, I might try to get into that. Um, group affiliations. He was a former partner of Iron Fist in Heroes for Hire Incorporated. He was a former member of the Defenders. Former temporary member of the Fantastic Four. That's cool, man. They got him to come in. You couldn't do better for a fill-in. Dude is tough as they come. He's smart. He's street smart. You know, he's, um, if you needed a sub, he would be your guy. He was also, uh, in the more present time, he served on the New Avengers as well as the Real Avengers. His base of operations is New York City. And he first appeared in, uh, Hero for Hire number one, which is where he has also included his origin tale. Now, that's another comic I have. I guess I'm kind of starting off doing characters I'm fond of, and uh, the fondness might have led me to get the first appearances of some of these guys. So I do actually have Hero for Hire number one. I picked it up many, many, many moons ago, and I think it only cost me like $25 or $30. But now, I just uh, checked it out on eBay before we started doing this, and people are asking and getting like two, three hundred dollars even more for graded copies. My copy's not graded. I've never graded a book before. I don't know. It's just not... I'm trying to... F I, if you hear me fidgeting around, I apologize. I'm trying to find a place where I can sit this. Every episode, I sit the magazine, uh, the comic book down, rather, and I have a hard time getting it back up. I'm trying to... Trying to keep it steady so you don't got to hear me fussing about, but you, in fact, probably heard me fussing about more than... than usual. I, you know... Also... You might hear some background noise. It's kind of a machine sound. I actually, uh, I have two VCRs running right now, believe it or not. Um, 
I got a buddy that I've known since high school, and he doesn't have cable over at his house. And there are some shows he likes to watch. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. There's some shows, Storage Wars, Comic Book Man, just different things that he likes. And he's asked me if I could tape them off the TV. And, you know, I, I don't mind because I, I watch them too. So, you know, once I'm done with them, I make like a VCR copy because... Honestly, you can fit like six to eight hours on the tape, and it's just, why do you need to see the, you know, the high-def details of a show like Storage Wars? Like, what do you want to see, Ivy? You want to see him in high-def? You want to see Dave Hester in high-def? I doubt it. You might. I doubt it, though. Um, anyway, I make these tapes for him, and over time, you know, I've made like 10 or 20. I tape other stuff I think that he might find interesting, and, um, well... I guess uh, I'm trying to admit I'm still I'm still into making videotape mixtapes. Uh, it's just I don't know. It's a it's a fun hobby. I like I have a stack of them, and when I don't have anything to watch, I also put them in because I make him a copy, and I also like I I keep the original. I keep the master tape in in the closet. I got a bunch of them, um, and I pop them in from time to time. I tape movie commercials, just whatever. I don't know. It's just uh. Something I do, and right now I'm uh, copying the tape that I just made for him, and the VCR is in, uh, it's making a squeaky sound, and I apologize for that. You might hear it. You might not. I don't know. I kind of think you might not. It's a bit far away, but I can hear it, and it's bugging me, so, you know, it might be bugging you as well. So let's see. Uh, let's get into the history of Power Man. The man who would call himself Luke Cage grew up in the slums of Harlem, often committing petty theft with his friend... Willis Stryker. I wonder if that's any relation to uh, the dude from the X-Men. Probably not. Maybe he's related to Matt Stryker, the uh, host, the commentator for Lucha Underground on El Rey. If you don't watch Lucha Underground on El Rey, I highly recommend it. It's a wrestling show, but it has a lot of really really cool things on it. It's a lot of fun. Um, As the two matured, Cage found odd jobs in legitimate fields of employment while Stryker became uh, more of a professional criminal and racketeer. I love that word, racketeer. Uh, it it sounds classier than, than it really is. Cage and Stryker became rivals for the affections of Riva. Stryker's illicit wealth made him a more able suitor than Cage. Then Cage saved Stryker's life one night when Stryker was badly beaten in a mob hit. I guess that career as a racketeer wasn't working out for him, so Luke Cage had to jump in there and... You know, he had to to save him, so anyhow. uh, While Stryker was hospitalized, Cage and Connors often uh, met during the hospital visits, and they developed a friendship. Insanely jealous of his friend, Stryker planted two kilos of heroin in Cage's apartment, tipped off the police, and had him arrested and sent off to prison. That's whack. What? What a whack friend. Horrible. Stryker, you're the worst. Uh... Let's take a quick pause. We're going to check out a commercial and then we will we will be back in a moment with a bit more about a lot more about Luke Cage aka Power Man. The evil mutants are their attack. As Juggernaut punishes his battering ram, Magneto reveals his magnetic force. Lead the attack, Juggernaut. But waiting are the X-Men. Evil mutants. Wolverine flashes claws of steel, while Cyclops turns on laser power. This city is a speed limit. And the giant apocalypse is power lifted by the mighty Colossus. Lost again, Magneto. X-Men and Evil Mutants each sold separately from Toy Biz. All right, we are back. We are back from the commercial break. And uh, 
let's continue in on this tale of Luke Cage, a tale of of prison, of drugs, of the streets, life on the streets, life on the streets of Harlem, New York, back when that was probably a dope place to be. Uh, a few days later, Connors was killed in a mob hit intended for Stryker. Now, as we know, Connor is the girl who they were both into. So, within a couple days, this guy, he he's framed a cage, got him locked away. Uh, people are now thinking of the uh, the nice Luke Cage as a heroin dealer. So this is this is just not working out. Now the gal's dead. So while in while inside, Cage allowed his rage to consume him. He frequently engaged in brawls and he attempted escape. Several of his parole board hearings ended in violence. So he's denied parole. And he flips the tape over, like, in a Straighten It Out, like in the uh, P-Rock and C.L. Smooth Straighten It Out video. I can almost hear it right now. It's like it's, like it's playing in my head. So let's see. He's on. Cage was finally transferred to Seagate Prison, a maximum security correctional facility located on an island off the coast of Georgia. It was also known as Little Alcatraz. Life at Seagate was hard for Cage. I imagine it's hard for everybody. Largely because of two racist correctional officers. Albert Rackman and William Quirt. Rackman and Quirt. That sounds... <laughs> that sounds like a bad NBC TV show from the 80s about uh, two cops who were out there. They're on the edge between doing what's right and doing what they have to. They're Rackman and Quirt. Who routinely taunted and beat him. When a progressive warden came to the facility and learned of the guard's brutality, Court was fired and Rackman demoted. Rackman blamed this humiliation on Cage and he vowed to give him his due. And I imagine that due is going to come with the nightstick. During Cage's prison term, Dr. Noah Bernstein, a research psychologist, no, actually, a researched physiologist, worked under a grant from Stark International, a.k.a., uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man's company, and they came to Seagate to perform an experiment on volunteer prisoners to test a chemical method to promote human cell regeneration as an aid against disease and aging. Bernstein saw Cage, who was exceptionally well-built and healthy, as the ideal test subject. Sympathetic when Cage told him the details of how he was framed, Bernstein told Cage that he would do what he could do to get him paroled at the end of the experiment. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if he was legit about that. Like, did he really want to help Luke, or is he just, like, telling him what he wanted to hear to get him involved in the, uh, in the experiment? So, although suspicious at first, just like me, Cage agreed. The experiment involved Cage submerging himself in a high-frequency electric field conducted by an organic chemical liquid. So they're gonna, like, float him in saline solution and zap him with electricity, I guess. At a point where Bernstein was not present, Rackman relieved the guard who was on duty, and uh, he came in and just, you know, sort of messing around with the controls in hopes to kill Cage. So, this, you know, the guard's there, and he's probably kind of a racist too, like Rackman. Rackman's like, hey buddy, here's a smoke, why don't you go take a break? And then he just runs over there, and he starts fiddling around with the knobs, hoping to kill Luke Cage. So, the experiment induced a body-wide musa mutagenic enhancement of Cage's bodily tissue, and it gave him superhuman strength. So, even though Rackman tried to diss him, he became the ultimate black Superman. You got clowned, Rackman. Freeing himself, Cage knocked Rackman out, and but then, thinking he killed him, Cage used his now steel-hard fist to smash his way through the prison wall to escape. So he's like, oh my god, 
I killed this cracker. I better get out of here quick before uh, before they stick me in the chair. So he, he you know, he boned out. He's gone. Um, when guards recovered the bullet-ridden shirt worn by Cage during the escape, the escapee was thought to be dead and swept out to sea. So that's perfect, man. He's uh, starting life. He's got new powers. And also, he's dead. So he doesn't have to worry, man. It's like uh, he no longer is on the books. He's no longer on the grid. He's no longer where they know where he is. The fugitive Cage gradually made his way to New York, and he assumed various identities, and he intended to locate Stryker in exact revenge. So at this point, man, you know, he's still not, he's not enlightened. He's just, all he can think about is getting revenge, but I have to admit that I would be thinking the same thing. Um, on the, one of the first nights in New York, he foiled a robbery. The owner gave, cash, gave Cage a cash reward, and Cage became inspired to use his new superhuman strength for profit. So, still... Not the most enlightened dude, you know, but we all got to make money. And so he purchased a used escape artist costume from a costume shop, had business cards printed, found a uh, storefront, and established, established himself as Luke Cage, the hero to hire. To promote himself, Cage routinely sought and battled mob collection men, and he would pass his business cards around to dudes who he, uh, you know, freed from the dead. You know the old mob collection thing where they come around to your store and they're just like, hey man... We're, uh, we're providing security, but what they're all really, you know, what they're providing is security from them coming in and beating you up. But then Power Man came around and he beat them up. And instead of paying them, you now pay, you pay Cage to protect you from them. It also, in a lot of ways, this is also just kind of a similar scheme because Cage is like, if you don't pay me, man, they're going to come back. Not the most enlightened dude. Uh, da, da, da. After he found Stryker, who he had assumed... The underworld. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa! After he found Stryker, who had assumed the underworld identity of Diamondback, so he went underground and became a supervillain. And then Luke Cage beat him up, and his hero for hire enterprise began to show profit. Once people saw him beat up his old, uh, his old best friend, I guess I don't know. So things were looking up, but frustrated by the lack of publicity his exploits garnered in comparison to other crime fighters, Luke Cage adopted the working name Power Man. So he thought that. What was keeping him back was not, in fact, anything except for the fact that his name was Luke Cage. He thought Power Man was a more super, uh, super name, so he adopted that. I don't know, man. I think we see in the future that he does become successful under Luke Cage, so that might not be, have been the best move. But it was a different time, whole different deal. And uh, let's see what else is important here. Um... Several years later, Bushmaster, a powerful European crime lord, coerced Cage into kidnapping private investigator Mi Misty Knight. I really like Misty Knight. She's a cool character. She was in The Defenders, too. She has a super dope black exploitation look. You know, she has, like, a skin-tight bodysuit and a cool fro, and she has guns. She's the best. There's a Marvel Legends of Misty Knight on the uh, shelves right now. I see it all the time, and I'm always tempted to buy it, but I don't. I mean to, but I don't. I could... But I don't. Um, I don't buy as many toys as I kind of want to. And it's mostly mostly just lack of space. I have a nice size room here in the command station. But all the shelves are full. They're full of stuff. And every figure is another stuff. And figures, it's not expensive. But like 20 25 bucks for a toy. It's just, I don't know, man. It's a bit much. Uh, I can use that money elsewhere and get myself like a... You could get a pretty cool comic. For like 25 bucks. And usually I choose to do that. Um, I don't know man. I just. 
I think I might like comics more than toys. So, da-da-da, he kidnapped Misty Knight. In exchange for the lives of Dr. Bernstein and Cage's friend Claire Temple, who he held captive. So, this guy's a Bushmaster, grabbed up a couple of Cage's pals, and he's like, Yo, you go get Misty Knight, bring her back to me, and I'll let your friends go. And Cage did, um, let's see... Bushmaster had acquired a videotape of Stryker planting the heroin in Cage's apartment. He had a VHS tape. And this was a tape that could clear Cage's name. So he was also going to give him the VHS tape. He's like, go get Misty Knight. I'll free your friends. And I'll give you this tape and you can clear your name. So let's see. Did it work out? He agreed to the terms. But he uh, found himself in combat with Misty Knight's bro and pal, Danny Rand, alias Iron Fist. Learning of his predicament, Knight and Iron Fist elected to help Cage, because they're enlightened. They're like, man, we can see how you're you're in a tight spot, Luke, so we'll help you out, even though it does appear like you have wronged us. Um, and then they all, they went, they beat up on Bushmaster, he got the tape, he used his evidence, and he was, he was freed. And the three of them saw how working together was, you know, it was cool, man, they were into it. So they stayed together, she became kind of a P.I. over at Heroes for Hire, and... They moved up out of Harlem onto Park Avenue, even though Cage did retain his office over on 42nd Street. You know, uh, he, he's, got a, he's a man of the people. That's one of the things about Luke Cage that's important to remember. He's down for the people. And even though he can afford Park Avenue, even though he might be better off in Park Avenue, he's going to retain that Harlem office just, just so he has one foot one foot on the ground where it really matters. Um, oh, however, the Heroes for Hire agency went out of business under suspicious circumstances and Luke Cage's current whereabouts and activities are unrevealed. So, man, that's interesting because I guess once his comic got canceled, they felt that there was no need to have Luke Cage doing anything. Uh, that's a bummer. But it wasn't until, you know, the 2000s, Michael, Brian Michael Bendis got a hold of him, and he pushed him as one of the top guys on the new Avengers. Uh, at first, Captain America was the leader of the team. This was after the Avengers had disbanded. Then there was the big breakout of the Raft prison, and Captain America realized, we do need some Avengers out there. And he put together a team of his own, and one of the dudes he got was Luke Cage. Because Luke Cage was there in the raft, and he saw how everybody in the battle, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Spider-Woman, how they all, they already could work together as a team, and this might be the perfect mix of Avengers. So Captain America's the leader at first, but then when he was killed after the end of the Civil War, Luke Cage adopted the leadership mantle. It was, it wasn't official at first, but it was made official eventually this was a renegade team of Avengers. The Civil War in the comics had a superhero registration act angle where everybody had to sign up and work for the government. But this team of Avengers that Captain America put together were just, they weren't with it. Just like in the movie, they didn't want to sign the Sokovia Accord. They weren't with it. But the team he had with him was more like, hold on, was more like, Luke Cage, Wolverine, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, Hawkeye, who uh, had lost the Hawkeye mantle. So he was Ronin, a samurai without a master. He wore a black outfit. There was Mockingbird, Echo, all sorts of what, you know, some of them might be considered B-listers. There were some A-listers, a nice mix of a team, but they were all on the run from the man who was Tony Stark's. And after Captain America died... 
Luke Cage became the leader and it really promoted him from like a C-level character up to being an A-list character just because he was so earnest and he was so real and he was just so steadfast and he was also married to Jessica Jones who was a popular female character at the time. They had a baby and they were trying to protect the baby from just all of the things that come from being an outlaw. It was really great stuff and it served to elevate Luke Cage into the A-lister that he is now, an A-lister to the point where he's getting his own TV show on Netflix. There is going to be a full-on Netflix show about Luke Cage. That's something I never would have thought would happen. It seemed impossible, but it is happening. He was one of the main characters on Jessica Jones. In fact, he's her love interest, and the actor who played Cage was so great that they're just like, dude, it's obvious. We gotta do a Luke Cage show, and they are, and I'm eagerly waiting for it. I know it's gonna be great, but before we bounce on out of here, let's take a look at Luke Cage's powers. I'm sorry, I kind of drifted off onto a history tangent. So he is six foot six. His weight is 425 pounds. His eyes are black. He has black eyes. That's weird. Uh, and his hair is also black. His strength level is... Power Man possesses superhuman strength, enabling him to lift approximately three tons. That's quite a bit. Not, uh, he's not up to the length, the strength of, like, the thing. Let's see who else is in here. Let's compare him to the Rhino. The Rhino, we know, is super strong. Let's see, um, the Rhino possesses superhuman strength that he can lift up to 80 tons under optimal conditions. So, Luke Cage is nowhere near as strong as the Rhino... Is he as strong as Puck from Alpha Flight? Let's see. Puck. Puck. Um, he has normal human strength. Puma. What is about the Punisher? The Punisher has normal human strength. Purple Man, normal human strength. Normal human strength. How about this guy here, Quasimodo? He has... Uh, he's an android, and he can lift 20 tons. So, sorry, man. Sorry, Luke. Um... Known superhuman powers. Power Man possesses superhuman strength and very dense muscle and bone tissue and steel hard skin. He can withstand the fire of a 44 caliber magnum up to four feet away and he cannot be cut by the keenest of blades. Power Man can punch through several, several feet of most conventional building materials such as brick and he can withstand the force of objects weighing as much as a ton. He's impervious to temperature ranging from negative 10 up to 2,850 he can withstand electric shocks up to 3,000. And he can uh, withstand the blast of 150 pounds of dynamite. That's pretty specific. I wonder how hard they tested this. Uh, Luke Cage is just dope. He's a self-taught fighter with years of street fighting experience. And he is a superb athlete. I got to tell you, man. Luke Cage is one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, I actually have a Luke Cage uh, Marvel Legend. I have him and Iron Fist. Power Man and Iron Fist were one of my favorites. I have them... I have them on uh, the Marvel Cups that came out, the Slurpee Cups from the 70s. I got Power Man. I also got Iron Fist. I got Power Man Mini Mates. Uh, I just dig him, and I can't wait for a show. I hope after this, you guys kind of dig him a bit more than you did a few minutes ago. I mean, how can you not? Because you probably did dig him a bit, but now you probably dig him a lot. Anyway, I'm going to get up on out of here. I uh, got some important, important things to do. Not to say that you guys aren't important, because you're the patrons of the show, and man... You guys are the most important listeners of all because you care enough to give. You care enough to give me stuff, and I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I really honestly do. Every month, 
when that money uh, from Patreon pops into my PayPal, I'm always excited, man. It gives me, it's not a lot of money at this point. I hope it someday it might be something, but it gives me enough to go out there, you know, pay the fees for uh, hosting the podcast, and I get to boost a few posts. Most of the money, actually all of it, goes right back into just being Icy Robots. Uh, I get to boost a few posts. You know, the show no longer loses money. I used to lose a bit on the hosting uh, because people are nice enough to listen, and the more that listens, the more you got to pay. So I don't got to pay anymore. Uh, I'm turning maybe a two or three dollar profit, which is better than having to lose twenty twenty five bucks a month, which isn't you know it's not the end of the world, but you don't want your hobbies to cost all that much. Anyhow, this is me. I see robots gonna power down. I'm gonna get up out of here. Uh, until next time, make mine marvel. This has been an IC Robots Radio production.